mangalo de boja kelene mangle de boro kotuska tali de baba ege boja kala de brina kakali de boya ege maso ege lina nagarato sokoluda babrinege gelinima ange boja kala de brina ege boze kele de brina kakali de baba ange boja kaya praise you father in the name of jesus heavenly father we rejoice that tonight again we have the opportunity to study to learn to be equipped Thank you for the privilege of walking in the light of your word. And I pray that everybody connected to this service tonight is gifted revelation knowledge. The eyes of your understanding flooded with light. Clarity comes by the word of God. I decree, Father, that your word comes to instruct us, to correct us. Your word comes to give us evidence. And Lord, we decree that your word comes to bring us, to bring us spiritual growth. So as we benefit maximally from the teaching of your word tonight, I rejoice that an army is rising all over the face of the earth that will preach the truth of the gospel of Christ. And we give you praise for the blessing today. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together. As you say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, and every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of our social media community. We want to welcome every one of you tonight to this wonderful time of, 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 of training evangelism and discipleship we also want to welcome the entire Aquaibom state community connected right now to this service by way of comfort fm xlfm radio Aquaibom, you know your fm inspiration fm heritage fm we want to welcome all of you to the service tonight hey i tell you it's going to be an exciting adventure as we continue our study in the light of christ i'd like you to do me the favor invite a friend a family member somebody you love ask them to tune to this radio station right now life is flowing through the airwaves our social media community friends and family on social media i tell you we're so proud of all that you guys do to help us get this world to the ends of the earth do me the same favor again tonight share the video i'm telling you share the video share with as many groups as possible tag some people create watch parties and of course make sure that everybody that is connected to you as a friend hooks up to this service tonight and then drop the videos on monogram telegram and whatsapp group we're going to have an exciting study I want to welcome all our house churches. Every one of you in the house churches, we love you. What a joy to have all of you tonight as we fellowship together in the word of his grace. Our campus is all over the world. Well, we're glad to have all of you too. It's going to be a great time. And we love everybody that is a part of the service tonight. Those joining for the first time, guys, get ready. It's going to be an adventure in the word of his grace. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated as we get into the word of God tonight. Mm -mm. <clears throat> hallelujah oh i tell you man glory to god all right so yesterday we began with the foundation and culture of discipleship the foundation and culture of discipleship matthew chapter 28 verse number 18 matthew chapter 28 verse number 18 and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me the word power there is the word authority in heaven and in earth next verse go ye therefore and teach all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Next verse. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We are looking at the subject of discipleship. And let's begin to explore a few things that we discussed yesterday and see how we can expansiate on a few of them that time failed me to expansiate on yesterday. We said a disciple is one who follows you always. One who leaves other things to follow. And we're really taking, you know, talking about following Jesus. But we have become Jesus' agents on the earth. So, to disciple men, Jesus is disciplining men through us. Through us. He is disciplining men through us. <clears throat> and uh, when we say follow, we mean follow Jesus. Right? Follow Jesus. And a disciple follows Jesus through somebody who disciples him. Now, yesterday, we looked at what makes a disciple. We look at the things that constitutes a disciple. Number one, we said a disciple is a child. Jesus said, except you become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom. He says the greatest in the kingdom will have to be like a child. And we took time to deal with those details yesterday in the service. If you were not in the service yesterday, I will advise you to get the messages of the first and second service. Look at Matthew chapter 19 verse 14. Matthew chapter 19 verse 14. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Nothing dis, you know, describes discipleship like these phrases. To be like a little child. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 17. Luke chapter 18, verse 17. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, shall in no wise enter therein. Receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Alright? In the book of 1 Corinthians 14, 20, brother Paul says, In evil be children, in malice be children have nothing to do with pride okay that's very important have nothing to do with a haughty spirit in first peter 2 2 he says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby when he says newborn babes he's not talking about new converts he is saying the way you receive the word of god is when you act like a child the way you receive the word of God is talking about the reception of God's word is when you act like a child. So he's talking about attitude as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. He's dealing with attitude towards teaching. You are a child if you are going to learn. Anytime you're going to learn, it takes the attitude of a child to make a good student. And I'm talking to those of you especially who are older in age. You know, you have, you have been around for quite a while and you have, you know, grown, you know. But if you're really going to learn 
Christ and learn the word of God, you must forget about your biological age and just become a child. That's the only way to learn. Otherwise, um, God is no respecter of persons. How old are you? You're not older than the ancient of days. You know, you're not older than eternal life. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You've got to put on the attitude of a child if you're really going to learn. Jesus said, except you act like a little child, you cannot receive the kingdom of God. And of course, you know, students naturally have a learning culture. So they don't struggle with learning because they are in the midst of it. But people that have left school for so long, they must imbibe the attitude of a child. Especially people that, you know, have grown, they are now managers, or they are married, their husbands, or they are married, their wives. There's a particular attitude that comes with status. For you to really learn Christ as a disciple, you have to get rid of all of that in your mind and bring yourself to a place where you can learn, where you can act like a child. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. For you see your calling brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. The word wise men is the word sophos in the Greek. Sophos, okay? Where you have sophizo or sophia in the Greek. It means, you know, uh, wise. Sophos. Then it says, not many noble. The word noble is the Greek word hugenis. Hugenis, H-U-G-E-N-E-S. Hugenis. Talking about people that are born well. People that grew up in noble homes. People that grew up in the midst of affluence and wealth. And he says that girls that God has called don't have such, you know, background. They are not people that come from a noble attitude. An attitude, you know, that is, that, that, that you know, uh, an attitude that feels like I have arrived. And you will see that in Luke chapter 19 verse 12. You can write that for further studies. You can also see that in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. The word there, noble. The Bible talks about the church in... Uh, that church in Acts 17, 11. Put it up. I'd like us to look at that church again. <clears throat> Acts 17, 11. Those were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that, they received the word with all readiness of mind. They were noble, but their attitude towards the word of God was the attitude of a child. They had status in society. They were among the bourgeois of their day. These people... But the Bible says they received the word of God with readiness. That is, they had the attitude of learning or the attitude of a child. All right? Now, if you observe very carefully, Brother Paul says, our calling is God has chosen the foolish, the foolish things of this world. In the book of 1 Corinthians 1.27, for further study, and 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Look at the way brother Paul will put it. We are fools for Christ's sake. We are fools for Christ's sake. You must assume that status and act like one who knows nothing. For you to be able to know something. A fool for Christ. Because when you consider your status, the things of God may look foolish. Okay, When you consider your status, the things of God may look foolish. So be willing to be foolish. For Christ's sake. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. 
but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Next verse. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually discerned. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 28, a lot of scriptures but very good for your health. And base things of the world and things which are despised had God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That word, the base things, the base things is the Greek word agenis. It means without descent, without descent, agenis. Brother Paul says that God uses the base things, things that are despised. And you know the Greek word Estonia, Estonia, E-S-O-U-T-H-O-N-I-O. -O. You will see that for further studies in Luke chapter 18 verse 9. Luke chapter 18 verse number 9. That Pharisee, that Pharisee who despised the publican. You will also see it in Luke 23, 11. Acts chapter 4 verse 11. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. So the gospel is rated highly in my speech, conduct, and the way I treat people. The gospel is rated highly in my speech. When I speak to people, they must be able to have respect for the gospel that I preach. In my conduct, and of course... In the way I treat people, they must see the gospel reflected in my attitude and conduct. The gospel also is rated highly, higher than status. Higher than status. No status can compare with the gospel. No amount of wealth you have that can compare with the gospel. And no amount of influence can compare with the gospel. In the book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, look at what brother Paul says. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. You see that God uses broken vessels. Can you imagine an entire God to save man became a man? He didn't come as God. It, it sounds foolish. He came as man and allowed himself to be pushed around by sinners whom he came to save. But that's the wisdom of God. Wisdom of God ordained before the world for us. It's not from us. It was not concealed from us. It was concealed for us. Because had the princes of this world known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But in the crucifixion of the Lord of glory was the bringing of many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So God uses broken vessels. Vessels that are despised. People that you think are nobodies. People that you think have no pedigree. People that you think do not have what it takes. People that feel they are incompetent. They are the ones that God delights in using. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Jesus gives warning in Mark chapter 10 verse 22. <clears throat> Mark chapter 10 verse 22. And he was sad at that saying. Talking about the, the, rich, the, the, the rich young ruler. And went away grieved. For he had great possession. 
he had great possession money and how it can influence a man's attitude it influenced this man till this man disqualified himself from the grace of god and jesus said to his disciples in mark chapter 10 verse 23 mark chapter 10 verse 23 and jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of god how hardly shall they that have riches it's not just having the riches there in the original is they that trust in riches how hardly shall they that trust in riches enter into the kingdom of god look at verse 24 of that mark chapter 10 and the disciples were astonished at his words but jesus answereth again and saith unto them children how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of god can somebody say very loud with me i do not trust in riches i trust in the living god Shout me very loud god is my only source and i trust god i do not trust money i'm not a slave to money money is a servant of god's purpose in my life can i have a powerful amen so you've got to make up your mind that money will remain in your pocket not your heart that money will remain in your pocket as a slave not in your heart not in your heart money must never take your heart must no matter how much you have christ must be the only occupant of your heart money's the best place for money is your pocket where it can easily be used to discharge god's purpose first timothy chapter 6 verse 17 see the way brother paul puts it to to timothy a protege he says charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who giveth us richly all things to enjoy all things charge them not to trust in he called it uncertain unreliable undependable you know brother solomon said money has the ability to develop wings and fly you have money right now in your pocket by the time you turn the next minute it's no more there it has gone so you can't trust what is not consistent you can't trust what is not reliable otherwise your heart will be broken and the bible says people that put their trust in money have pierced themselves with many sorrows disappointments hurts and failure that's why you don't put your trust in money you put your trust in god but the rich young ruler who was wanted to be a disciple the love of money deprived him the opportunity of being discipled the second thing we said is you must be a servant john chapter 13 verse 15 john chapter 13 verse number 15 for i have given you an example that you should do as i have done to you this was when jesus took towel and water and washed the feet of his disciples showing them that the same way i have served you you are supposed to serve others it was example in service he was teaching the disciples how to serve one another matthew 20 28 matthew chapter 20 verse number 28 even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister 
and to give his life a ransom for many. A ransom for many. The moment you stop serving, the moment you stop serving, discipleship ends. The moment you stop serving, discipleship ends. Because discipleship is service. Number three, you have to also have priorities. A disciple must have priorities. How do you know your disciple? He acts like a child. Number two, he acts like a servant. It's not just someone you teach. Someone you teach doesn't automatically become your, become your disciple. Because discipleship has fruits. So it's not enough that you are being taught. I've seen people who hail us, love us, but doesn't make them our disciples. <laughs> love the way I preach, love my messages. It doesn't still make them my disciples. But there are those who follow my instructions. They follow my instructions to the later. Those are the people that are my disciples. Jesus said, who is my father? Who is my brother? Who is my brother? These ones who do the will, who follow instructions. And he was saying that to his mother. Who is my brother? Who is my father? Who is my brother and my sister? But these ones who do the will of my father. So discipleship is following instruction. That's a disciple. One who follows instruction. Who hears what I say. Praise God. So we've established a disciple is a child. A disciple is a servant. A disciple has priorities. Look at Luke chapter 9 verse 57. Luke chapter 9 verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. I will follow thee. And you know, people say that always. Even to me. I'm going to follow you. I believe in your ministry. I'm blah, 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 blah. We're in this thing together forever. One year they are gone. Can't even find them. You won't even see their footprints. That is the way they went. The ground didn't have enough time to register their footprints. Just one year. I've been around a few days now. <laughs> you know, just a few days. By the grace of God. I've been around. When people say such things, I just laugh sometimes. You know? Go and look at some people. Only four years of their life, they have changed eight pastors. In four years. They have that is, they have been to eight churches in four years. They can't stay in one place. They can't stay in one place. They can't stay in one place. And they'll tell you, look, I'm going to be with you. And if you say you'll be with a man of God, at least keep your words. Keep your words, at least. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 58, where we're looking at. Luke chapter 9, verse 58. Mm -mm. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> you have to choose inconvenience over convenience. A disciple chooses inconvenience over convenience one of them said to jesus i want to go and bury my father jesus looked at him and said 
Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach. Man, that's a hard one. The father of the guy just died. And Jesus said to the guy, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach. What was Jesus teaching? He was teaching that a disciple would choose inconvenience over convenience. One came and told Jesus, let me go and tell my parents first. I will come. Jesus said to him, no one putting his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. This is about service. So the kingdom of God is not about going to heaven. It's about what God is doing on the earth today. What God is doing on the earth today. And if you cannot have priorities, you cannot get involved in discipleship. So the question again is, who is a disciple? <clears throat> One who follows you. Look at Mark chapter 10 verse 29 and see what Jesus said to the disciples of his day. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no one or man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Next verse. But he shall receive a hundredfold in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions but in the world to come eternal life they said we have left all to follow you so a disciple is one who lives all that's a disciple how did jesus choose the 12 among the crowd from john's baptism he just kept calling him calling them and they left everything and followed when he called them they left everything and followed he chose among the crowd those 12. And those 12 left and followed him. A true characteristic of a disciple is the person who is always available. The person who is always available. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 21. Let's look at you know, how they replaced Judas after he died. They say, wherefore of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Next verse. Beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us. Must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. He must have been with us from the beginning. Must have been there to see Jesus going out and coming in. He must have followed, followed, made himself available and followed. That's the person that will be, that will replace the apostles. You know, of course, they were disciples first. That is, he's available all the time. Huh. Judas didn't qualify here. Because Judas killed himself. He didn't follow to the end. He didn't follow through. A disciple does not go back. A disciple sticks to the end. A disciple follows to the end. So how do I know a disciple? 
one who is a child and learns like a child a disciple is a servant number three a disciple is one who has priorities two persons can disciple one person i mean two persons cannot disciple one person but one person can disciple two people so discipleship must have a singular leadership you can't be a disciple of two people you can only be a disciple of one person and if you follow the course of discourse from yesterday we laid the foundation that the way god trains people for the ministry is through discipleship nobody flies by night into ministry there has to be a process the process of ministry the process of being a workman in the kingdom is a process of discipleship that's very critical you know and um, a disciple is a person who listens to you then of course he is able to on your behalf lead people so the focus of the kingdom of god is what god is doing in the earth today those who follow you not those who follow you when it is convenient you know there are people they only follow you when it is convenient when it is not convenient they give you a million excuses they are not fit for it they are not fit to be disciples they can be fans but not disciples yeah a disciple is one that is willing to make sacrifices because he is playing, placing value and a premium on what he is learning and getting and what God is doing in his life through the person that is disciplining him. Very critical. And one way to know one is not fit for leadership. is when the person usually and regularly gives excuses. Anybody that usually and regularly gives excuses is a misfit for leadership in the church in the body of christ you cannot appoint a man to leadership who is always giving excuses no matter how valid the excuses are no matter how genuine they are like i said yesterday there are people that i deliberately give them excuses i'll tell them no i know you're very busy i know you're very busy i understand i understand you're fully occupied i understand i understand you know, I'll, don't worry. Somebody else will do it. I have to give them an excuse. Yeah, I have to. Because ministry will die in the hands of a man that is full of excuses. That's why Jesus said, a man who, is, who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Anything you give excuses for, you don't intend to achieve. That's a fact. Anything you keep creating excuses for, you don't intend to achieve it. That's a fact. That's, a, that's a, a fact. No church, no mission can be successful in their God-given mission on earth if they are surrounded with people who give excuses. No church, no mission can be successful in their God-given mission on earth if they are surrounded with people who give excuses. Because putting your trust in a man that is full of excuses is like relying on a broken tooth. It is there for decoration. 
But when it is time to eat biscuit bones, it disappoints. Are we in the building? So we must walk through the hard tasks of discipleship. A Sunday service should be the coming together of disciples. Those who follow through the week. They followed all the teachings. Every time there was a teaching session, they followed. Whether on radio, social media, Zoom, wherever the teaching was happening, house center, they followed all through the week. Then on Sunday, it's coming together to fellowship with one another. A fellowship of disciples. Definitely. That's what it is. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Not somebody who just shows up on Sundays. But he doesn't follow through. That's not a disciple. Not those who, you know, they show up once in a while. Those are not disciples. Praise God. Those who act like children. Those who act like servants. Those who have priorities and follow you. Are your disciples. Therefore, a disciple is someone, number one, you teach. Someone you teach. Number two, someone you're responsible for. Someone you're responsible for. Number three, someone you are an example to. Someone you are an example to. Number four, it's a supernatural relationship. Discipleship is a supernatural relationship. Discipleship emerges by teaching, by teaching, by example, and supernaturally. Where are disciples found? They are found in your local church. And if you're the head of the church, they are found in the branches of your local church. Of course, you can have many fans who like your ministry, enjoy your teaching, but they are not your disciples. Therefore, they cannot benefit maximally from the grace that you carry. They cannot. You know, you can't photocopy grace. And you cannot steal grace. No. You can't. You serve into it. You follow. You learn into it. Praise God. I mean, look at Jesus, 12, 70, 120, 3,000, 5,000 in the book of Acts. And these 5,000 became disciples. Chapter 6, the number of disciples multiplied. So that means they came in as converts, but through the process of teaching, they became students. Students. Hallelujah. A disciple is one who is committed to the local church. Local church committed and for power city, we have campuses committed to the campuses, study centers. Discipleship is beyond social media relationship, it's beyond social media relationship. Disciples are those we train with our lives, we train with our time. And there are those who are sitting at the apostles' feet. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> huh. Thank you, Lord. 
So where do you find a disciple again? In the church or in the house center or in the campuses. You'll find a disciple in prayer meetings, Bible study meetings. You'll find a disciple in all nine prayers. That's where you find them. If you see Jesus, he was always with his disciples all the time. When they are not with him, he is the one who sent them somewhere. And when they delivered the message, they came back to him all the time. That's discipleship. They walk by instructions. They walk by instructions. And you know, brother Paul in his epistle gave instructions to every category of people. First of all, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, he gave instructions to children. Ephesians 6, 1, 2, and 3. He gave instruction to children. Number two, he gave instructions to fathers in verse 4. He said, fathers, provoke not your children. Then he gave instructions to employers and employees. In Ephesians chapter 5, he gave instructions to husband and wife. He gave instruction to every group of people. Because in discipleship, it's about instructions. No man is big enough to be instructed. And any man that is big enough to be instructed is not fit to be called a disciple. It's not fit to be called a disciple. Glory to God. There are instructions for everyone. He gives even instruction to those in authority. To those in authority. Whether you're a businessman, husband, wife, employer, old, young, father, child, mother, daughter, the local church pastor who disciples you has the authority to instruct you. Has the authority to instruct you. And even if you're a president of a nation or the governor of a state or you are a house of rep member or you're a, you're a senator and you are in a local church, your pastor has the authority to instruct you. The authority to instruct you. A man that is dangerous to hang around with is a man that nobody instructs. Nobody instructs. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the most dangerous man to, to be found around their territory. The scribes yesterday we saw were instructed. A rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, was instructed. An elder of the council was instructed. In Paul's ministry, we had other people. Some of them were treasurers of an entire city. Some of them were governors. Some of them were rulers. And they were listening to brother Paul. So discipleship has no limit. It has no graduation at all. You know the day you start, you have no day of finishing. You remain a disciple till Jesus comes. While you are a disciple, you are raising other disciples. So at the same time you are being discipled, you also are discipling others. That's why it has no end. It's a lifetime relationship. Who is my disciple? Once again, the one who behaves like a child. Number two, the one who acts like a servant. Number three, the one who puts the kingdom of God and its instructions as priorities. The kingdom of God and its instruction as priorities. Now, let us go, let, let, let's go to you who will, on behalf of Jesus, instruct others. You will, on behalf of Jesus, instruct others. Jesus is the chief shepherd. We are the under shepherds. 
So we shepherd people on behalf of Christ. We shepherd people on behalf of Christ. It looks very simple but very profound. Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, we the under shepherds. So we are shepherding people on behalf of Christ. So discipling people, you are eventually discipling people on behalf of Christ. On his behalf. They are your disciples for Jesus. So let's explore who you really are. Where you are the one discipling people. I'm going to pick one narrative here. Remember again, discipleship is making people follow you by teaching and by being an example to them. Making people follow you by teaching and by being an example to them. So, who am I? I am a shepherd. Everyone that disciples people is a shepherd. Everyone. Whether they are two or three or five or ten or twenty. Once you are involved in evangelism and discipleship, you are a shepherd. You are a shepherd. So you must act like one. Look at John 21, 15 to 17. John 21, 15 to 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Next verse. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now Jesus said, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than this? He said, yes. Feed my lambs. That's the word boskotania in the Greek. Boskotania. It's B-O-S-C-O-T-A-A-N-I-A. Boskotania. It means provide nourishment for my lambs. Provide nourishment for my lambs. The word lambs there has to do with innocence innocence provide nourishment for these innocent ones for these innocent ones you will find that for further study in matthew 8 30 matthew 8 30 33 matthew 8 30 and 33 mark 5 11 and 14 mark 5 11 and 14 Luke 8 32 and 34 Luke 15 15 the prodigal son he you know he was eating with you know with with with, with those lambs so he said feed my lambs then in verse 16 he said feed my sheep is a Greek word payomano payomano it means to provide guidance. To provide guidance. The first one is to provide nourishment. 
to provide food, to provide support, to provide sustenance, to provide nourishment, food, support, sustenance. The second one is to provide leadership, provide guidance. Payomano, where you have the word pastor or shepherd, is provide guidance, leadership, rule, authority, and government. Then verse 17, he now says, feed Bosco Tabrobata. Bosco Tabrobata. That is provide sustenance again for my sheep. Provide sustenance again for my sheep. Why this emphasis? He uses the word Bosco twice. Then the word Payomano once. Which means for each time I provide guidance, rulership and instruction. Twice. I must provide food. So I provide food and nourishment twice for each one instruction. I feed more than I instruct. That's why I feed my sheep, feed my lamb. I feed more than I instruct. The pastor therefore or the shepherd or discipler does instruct, does command does give you a charge but it doesn't until he has given you the word you can't instruct people whom you have not fed whom you have not taught because their sustenance is spiritual so you mustn't put one above the other the first priority is to provide food you teach you feed you equip There's a difference between somebody who just put things out on the internet and somebody who, who actually sits you down and feeds you. They are not the same. And somebody is posting something on the internet doesn't make him your pastor. Could just be a resource person. Real pastoring is not an internet thing. Real pastoring is beyond the internet. Real pastoring, real shepherding. And that's why we encourage people to join all our campuses and be involved in our local assemblies so that they can have full pastoral privileges. Not just follow me on the internet. And then, of course, that's the end. You know, you can't get more. But when you're in a campus or our local churches, we have people there who have been trained to pastor and they will pastor you. And if you're in the local church here, yeah, I will pastor you effectively. Effectively. Because pastoring... It's, not, it's beyond teaching. Teaching is major, but there are other things that makes it pastoring, which has to do with even accountability. Because we can teach you, but we don't have you to hold you accountable for what we teach. But when you sit under me, I will teach you and watch your life and hold you accountable for the things I'm teaching. That's pastoring. That's pastoring. Pastoring, you have to follow through in pastoring. You have to follow through in pastoring. So, again, the first priority is to provide food. And then you make sure the person you are discipling in understands it. 
That's why every time I teach, I give opportunity for question and answers. Because I want to be sure that everybody understood exactly what I taught. Alright? Then you also ensure in pastoring that the people who understood it are practicing it. They are practicing. The Bible says, if you know these things and you do them, happy are ye. So it's not just enough to know the word. You've got to do the word. You know, you've got to hear the word and do the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Then it says deceiving your own self. The word paralegizomai. It means acting beside yourself or pretending to be who you are not. Because it's in the practice of the word that the benefit of the word is maximized. Are we together? So, in pastoring, you ensure that you, your disciples practice what is taught. So, pastoring to a great extent is real time. It's done by pastors, house pastors, district pastors, campus pastors. All of them are involved in pastoring. You will never find sheep and shepherd interact by signal. They don't interact by signal. They interact by instruction. Instruction. They interact real time with each other. So for one instruction or command or charge, I must have taught twice. I teach twice to give an instruction. I feed my people twice before I give an instruction. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Therefore, the pastor's work, the shepherd's work, the disciples' work is primarily to provide care. And in this care, I instruct. To provide care. But within the confines of care, I now give out instructions. I won't start with instructions. I start with feeding. In discipleship and pastoring, you begin with feeding. Then along the lines of feeding, you instruct. You know, you don't superimpose shepherds on sheep. You don't, you, don't, you don't do that. You don't superimpose discipler on disciples. <laughs> it's something that emerges from relationship. That feeds the order. Sustains the order. Then along that walk. You now begin to instruct. Praise the Lord. Discipleship doesn't start with. Make sure you pray. Make sure you go for evangelism. Make sure you go for follow up. No that's not how discipleship starts. Discipleship does not start with. Make sure you give offering. No it doesn't start like that. It starts with teaching. You teach, you teach, you teach, you feed, you feed, you feed, you feed. The people not only get saved, the people begin to grow, they begin to mature, they begin to know who they are, they begin to know what they have, they begin to know what they can do. At that point of identity realization, capacity realization, and ability realization, you now give instruction. But if you start with instruction, it will fail because why are you instructing me? That's when you hear people say, why, why are you instructing me? Okay, I won't do it. They are not talking like that because they are trying to be rude. It is rudeness in ignorance. It is arrogance in illiteracy. That's why they are talking like that. But when you have discipled them, they have become disciplined. 
you can now give instructions. And at that point, when people are well fed and well taught and well, you know, well nourished, they are happy to carry out any instruction. They carry it out with joy to the letter. Because they're strength. You know, when children eat and they're well fed, they look for what to do. When they are hungry and you send them, they murmur. But when they eat and you tell them, bring me chair, they will bring three. Because they are full. They, are, they have energy. When people are fed, it is easy for them to carry out instructions. Am I communicating at all? It's easy for them to carry out instructions. Praise the Lord. So once they are fed, you can start instructing. So the word paimanu, which is in verse 16. You will see it again used, that same word, in Matthew chapter 2 verse 6, the shepherds. Matthew 2 6, Acts 20 28. Acts 20 28. Feed the flock. Feed the flock. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7. Then I'd like us to read 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse number 2. <clears throat> Feed the flock of God which is among you. The flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint. Not by, you don't force them to carry out instruction. Not by constraint. But willingly, not for filthy luckier, but of a ready mind. Of a ready mind. So, the discipler is the shepherd. Is the shepherd. Say with me very loud, I have the heart of a good shepherd. Who loves the flock. Say, I love the flock. Say with me, I love the people of God. Can I have a powerful amen? amen. Look at that first Peter again, chapter 5, verse 1. First Peter, chapter 5, verse number 1. First Peter 5, 1. The elders which are among you, who I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. The glory that shall be revealed. Oversight. The oversight. Where you have the word episcopus. A bishop. An overseer. A bishop. Then chapter 3. I mean First Peter chapter 5 verse 3 and 4. Just notice the flow. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that faded not away. Next verse. Now verse 5. Pay attention to verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves under the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud and given grace to the humble. That is how it works in the local church. 
you become an example by submitting to the head leader then when others see you submitting to the head pastor they too will find it easy to submit to you there's a flow of submission in the house of god there will always be elders in the church and there will always be the younger and there will be those older than the elders okay so there's a chain of command in the house i must know who is at which point and then i must know where i am in the body he said that these people must be of a ready mind it's not for filthy lucky it's not for benefit now there's nothing wrong in giving to people who bless you who you know have impacted your lives but it's not for that purpose i am serving i'm not serving for salary i'm not serving for reward i'm not serving for money i'm serving because i love god's people see that like i said yesterday when i got into ministry years ago in the early 80s i'm almost 14 ministry few days now when i got into ministry nobody wanted to be a pastor because pastors only had bicycles and trekking no pastor had a car it was very scarce to find pastors are very poor if a man if a woman and a husband give you their daughter to marry it has to take a miracle So people like us didn't come to ministry for cars and houses. We came to ministry for raw passion. We love souls. We want to see souls saved. That's all that brought us into ministry. It's along the line after doing ministry for many years. I used to go and preach for people and pay my transport. We didn't know what honorarium was. We didn't know it. It was a privilege that we are allowed to preach. So to go and come was our responsibility just that there's a place where we can preach the rest is history if we have to trek we will trek there we trek and preach and trek back with joy it's after years of ministry i now discover that they are giving people honorarium i remember the first brown envelope they gave me as a love offering i gave it to the partner that we went to preach with i told him take it you need it you need it more than me that's what brought us to ministry raw passion to see people fed. To see people blessed. To see people grow in the knowledge of Christ. Raw passion. Nothing more. Nothing more. But you know that's not the case today in many places. Many people just come to ministry and they see ministry as a business. You know. Since selling of spare parts didn't work. Let me get involved in using human beings as capital for business. It's a serious matter. I'm telling you. But it's changing. <clears throat> It's changing. I didn't hear a good amen. I said it's changing. <laughs> Look at First Peter two twenty four, <laughs> talking of Jesus. First Peter chapter two verse twenty four. Who his own self bore our sins. Look at the sacrificial element of of of, of discipleship. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Next verse. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So Jesus is exemplary in sacrifice and service. Pay attention. That word payamano therefore becomes the natural result of feeding people. When you start feeding people, they submit. 
You don't have authority to instruct people you have not fed. The authority to instruct comes from the responsibility to feed. It's vital we understand. In Matthew 9.36, look at what Jesus said. Matthew 9.36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherds. Jesus says these men are like sheep having no shepherd. Is brother Kenneth Hagin who explained you know this very well for us that Jesus did not say they they are sheep having no prophets. Jesus did not say they are sheep having no apostle. Jesus did not say they are sheep having no evangelist, not even teacher, but having no shepherd. And that gives you the background of Israel. Israel was called at that time a sheep. And should not be a sheep. Should not a sheep have a shepherd? Look at Numbers 27, 17. Please stay with me. Numbers 27, 17. Which may go out before them. And which may go in before them. And which may lead them out. And which may bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep. Which have no shepherd. Like we said yesterday. Everything we teach is from the Old Testament. Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. So every New Testament concept came from the Old Testament. That sound apostolic teaching. He says they are sheep without shepherd. So God's sheep must always have a shepherd. God's sheep must always have men leading them. I have heard people say all sorts of nonsense stuff, you know, like everybody's a shepherd of his life. I've even heard people say, Jesus is my pastor. I don't need a pastor. Jesus is pastoring me. I'm not joking. I don't need a pastor. Jesus is my pastor. There are a lot of them on social media. All over the place. Jesus is my pastor. No mortal man can pastor me. Any man that wants to pastor me, the relationship he has with Jesus, me too, I have the same. We're all children of God. So, <laughs> such people are out of order. Totally out of order, you know. <laughs> they are totally out of order. They have not read the Bible. Uh, it sounds crazy. <laughs> Praise God. These men were chosen. Chosen by God. He said, God has chosen Joshua. Why? Because it had, to, it had to be men who will lead God's people. That they be not like sheep without shepherd. Look at 1 Kings 22, 17. 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 17. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. These have no master. A sheep without shepherd is astray. A sheep without shepherd is alone. We have said 
disciples walk together. What about sheep? They must be in a flock. A sheep is not designed to stay alone. A sheep must be in a flock. In a flock. Sheep having no control. No one provides sustenance for them. And Jesus was moved by compassion. First Kings chapter 22 verse 7. He said they have no master. They have no control. Like judges. Where the Bible says there was no king in Israel. So every man did what was right in his own eyes. Self-pastoring. Every man did what was right in his own eye because there was no king in Israel. That is social media era. They say, just love yourself. Self-love. That's Satan's idea glorified. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 2. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 2. Glory to God. Are you getting blessed? 10 verse 2. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 2. <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 10 verse 2. It's like the brother on the computer has never seen Zechariah before. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 2. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Grab your Bible. Let's look at it together. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 2. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their way as a flock. They were troubled. Why? Because there was no shepherd. There was no shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, you see God's word concerning pastors. When you have sheep, you must have a flock. When you have a flock, you must have a shepherd. So shepherd, flock, sheep. That's the order. And every sheep is part of a flock and the flock has a shepherd. No one standing alone. Ezekiel 34. Let's look at the story of shepherds. Verse, chapter 34, verse 1 to 3. Ezekiel 34, 1 to 3. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, verse 2, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Next verse. So he says, verse 2, verse 2. 34, verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Verse 3. You eat the fat. And you clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed. But you feed not the flock. Look at verse 10. What God now, what was God's intent? 34 verse 10. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. 
Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth. That there may not be meat for them. That's a serious matter. Look at verse 11. We're going to read till verse 15. 11 now. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I even I will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. This is the ministry of Jesus. Give me verse 14 and 15. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. Verse 15. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. This is the ministry of Jesus. And this is what he did in John chapter 10. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But we'll get there. So there's an importance of sheep and then shepherd. Look at Matthew 25, 32. <clears throat> Matthew 25, 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations... And he shall separate them one from another as a sheep divided his sheep from, as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. This is at the end. Matthew 26, 31. Matthew 26, 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad this is what this is one i want you know want to communicate to the church of this generation my generation and the generations under me the very first work of satan is to hit at shepherds that's his very first line of attack the very first thing satan aims at is shepherds why does he do that matthew 26 31 Matthew 26, 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All of you shall be offended because of me this night. <laughs> For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. He's telling his disciples, You'll be offended at me this night. There's no church that ceases to be effective because Satan accused a member. There's no church that ceases to be effective because Satan accused a member of the church. There's no ministry that is disturbed because a member did wrong. There's no church that is shaken because two members had a problem. It's the shepherd. Once the shepherd is struck, the sheep become the victims. In Mark chapter 6 verse 34... Mark chapter 6 verse 34. So Jesus, when he came out so much people and was moved with compassion towards them. Because there was, they were as sheep not having a shepherd. 
and he began to teach them many things. So we have a responsibility to make sure that such doesn't happen in our house churches, campuses, and districts. When God chooses a man, that is the man he has chosen. Hmm. Whatever you think about the man is irrelevant. God chose the man before you had an opinion. God chose that man before you had an opinion. Your opinion don't define that man. And God chose the man in spite of your opinion or bias. When God chooses a man over you, that man he has chosen. Do we pray for God's servants over us? Why not? If I'm a disciple, I pray for my disciple. Okay. If I'm a son, I pray for my spiritual father. All the time. Do we follow them? I mean, do we worship them? That is senseless. We don't worship men. We worship God. But we honor them. We esteem them highly. For their work's sake. Do we follow them when they err? Of course not. We don't err with them. We pray for them when they err. But do we protect them? Yes. We defend them. We protect them. To ensure that their work is effective. Praise God. The writer of Hebrews says, Pray for us, for we seek to do the right thing. Yeah. From a good heart and a good conscience. That's the way to love your pastor. Pray for us. Look at it. Hebrews 13, 18. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience. In all things, willing to live honestly. Don't ever get involved in second-guessing your leaders. Always think well of your pastor. Believe well of your pastor. And expect well of your pastor. Be positive about your pastor. All the time. All the time. Be positive about your leader. Don't let any negative thing you read on social media produce suspicion. Be positive. Always say, I know my pastor will do the right thing. Say that all the time. I know he will pastor the flock by the love of God. And I know he will not lead us astray. You speak such words every day. And when you speak like that, you pray like that, it comes to pass. When you speak like that, you pray like that, it comes to pass. It comes to pass. Can you imagine everybody praying and thinking like that about their pastor? And you just build a wall of protection around the man. And the enemy has no access whatsoever. Praise God. I say praise God. In John chapter 10, we have a shepherd providing sustenance. Jesus, the chief shepherd, the true shepherd, the one who gave his life for the sheep. I will highlight key issues as I round up. Are we blessed tonight? In that John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus said, A good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He gives his life for the sheep. 
That is John chapter 10 verse 11. Put it up for me. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So if you are taking somebody through discipleship, you are sacrificial towards the person. Sacrificial. If you're a pastor, the life of a pastor is sacrifice. Okay? If you're a leader, a pastor of a campus, a pastor of a branch, a pastor of a house church, a pastor of a district, one of the hallmarks of any pastor at any level even if you're pastoring two people, is sacrifice. Is sacrifice. Because we are following the chief shepherd who gave his all to bring us in. So we too, as under shepherds, we model after him. Sacrifice is the hallmark of a pastor. A pastor is sacrificial. Look at that John chapter 10 verse 14 again. See what Jesus said. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I'm known of mine. I'm known of mine. So the first thing a shepherd does is that you lay down your life. It's not teaching first. It's laying down your life for the sheep first. Not instructions. You live by sacrifice and by service. You lay down your life. You live by sacrifice and by service. Which includes your time. Your time. Pastoring is beyond sitting in your room and addressing members online. You know, it's beyond that. Availability is proof of commitment. Not comfort availability before you exercise control did you sacrifice do you serve control is only relevant where there's sacrifice and service and it's not for benefits so you're a pastor don't take a job that will not allow you have time for the flock otherwise you choose between the flock and the job and, and go with one if not, you will just malnourish the flock. You have a church where your members are all suffering from kwashoko. Big stomach, little legs. Or big head, small body. Members of your church, if they appear, people take off. <laughs> it's not an encouraging sight. And it's just because the food is not balanced. They are not eating well. <laughs> they are spiritually malnourished. And those members, anywhere there's a program, they attend. Everywhere. Any handbill they see, they, they go. Everywhere you go and do program, you'll see them there. They don't even know where to go. They go everywhere. You know, when children are hungry, every food is sweet. When children are hungry and they're cooking from afar, they will perceive it. You'll see them walking towards. But when they have eaten well, if you like, cook from the house of the president, they are not interested. So as a pastor, it's the responsibility of a pastor to feed his members to a point where they are not interested in any food. That is, even as people are cooking, they are carrying food in their hand that they are yet to eat. <laughs> yes. They have eaten, they are full, and there's extra. And they are carrying it around. And they are not worried. If you are interested, they can give you because they know that more is coming. That as they are eating, another pot has been put on the fire 
for the next food. There's food security. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> There's food security in the house. A pastor must, must of necessity be that efficient where it comes to feeding the flock. Sacrifice, service, time, critical. David was a shepherd boy. And the Bible tells us he was always available for his sheep. He fought for them, defended them, and fed them. Praise God. I say praise God. I say praise God. In that Psalm 78 verse 78, Psalm 78 verse 70, Psalm 78 verse 70, he chose David also, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. Next verse. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. Next verse. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Two things. The integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. God gives you experiences in life that becomes useful in tending the flock. Every experience a pastor has had in life is not wasted. Bad, good, ugly. All of them put together will become material for effective ministry. Because as you pastor people, all the things you've been through, you will come across members that have been through all of that plus more or less. So the experience you've gathered over the years become resource to enrich members. You can't buy experience in the market. That's why in pastoring, time, time and age is critical. Age is critical. It's critical. Consistency over the flock is critical. I remember when we started this church back in the 90s, early 90s, a group of people came into this church who are influential in this society. Some of them may be listening to me because, you know, I've been here for a long time. They came into this church. And after a while, they teamed up. About 10 to 12 of them. Very influential. They were the most influential in our church as a then. They teamed up and came to me with a representation that since they came to this church they discovered that I have not ordained elders and deacons are they not qualified <laughs> I laughed as all of you are babies you are not even children yet you are babes none of you is even fit to be a worker yet all of you are babes so they got angry all of them and left <laughs> they left one day all of them left when they left Everything, everything that we were having as a church, all the monies they used to bring, they left it it. So there was vacuum. But we were not moved. We kept preaching. We kept preaching. And with time, God replaced them. And brought people that were ready to learn and grow up and be humble to be pastored. So today, when people are trying to harass their pastor for position, from my experience, I can tell the pastor, I was there before. Don't let anybody intimidate your office. Paul said, I magnify my office. Bible says, you don't make a baby a leader. 
says a novice, he will be lifted with pride and he will destroy himself. So every experience a pastor has had, good, bad, ugly, they are all part of the credentials for ministry. Nothing is wasted. That's why it takes God time to produce one man of God. It takes time. That is why it is not easy to lose one man of God. No. Because men of God are not produced like clothes in a factory. Each one is produced as one. We don't mass produce men of God. Each one is trained over the years. Trained and trained and trained and trained and trained and trained. Then he grows and eventually gains confidence. And believes in God's call. And now responds. And then God starts walking through him. It takes time. It takes time. Some of you watching and listening to me. Even in the house churches. There's a training going on with you. And it's going to take a bit of time. So you can imagine after all this time God has invested into you. Then you think God will just throw you aside. No. God invests into people. And makes sure he maximizes his profit. God does not waste his investments. That's why the gift and callings of God are without repentance. Glory to God. Feed the flock. Feed the flock. Tend them. Tend them. Disciple people. Give yourself to discipleship. It takes sacrifice to raise disciples. Sacrifice. Labor. Toiling. Traveling. Praying. Patience. Patience. Don't be ashamed of your disciples. If they misbehave, stay with them. Identify with them. Tell them I'm here for you. I will not abandon you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I know you have made a mistake. But I know that's not the end of you. That's just the beginning. There are greater days ahead. I know you will do well. You speak to your disciples. You speak to them. You build them up. You help them. And in the process of time, in the process of time, the weak become strong. In the process of time, the one that is falling stands. In the process of time, the one that has character flaws, the flaws are corrected. In the process of time, we all with open face, beholding the glory of God as in a mirror, we are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Glory to God. Somebody blessed tonight. Let's get on our feet. That's all I've got for you tonight. Hallelujah. We go making disciples, raising men, building men, equipping men for the work of ministry. Hallelujah. Let's pray in tongues for a few seconds. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for grace and mercy. And thank you for instructions and knowledge flowing from this house. And thank you for everyone connected to this ministry. Every, every citizen, every member, and everyone that is learning and growing and being equipped, including men of God that are connected to this broadcast and to this service and to these teachings tonight. I pray that the revelation of Jesus grows big on your inside until nothing matters. You become a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
Lord, I pray that within this ministry, within Power City all over the world, Power City Global, and within the ministries of general overseers that are connected to this teaching right now, disciples are raised, competent and capable ministers are raised, and we decree that this end time harvest will be with so much ease because of the grace of God that is available. We will labor, yet not us, but the grace of God laboring through us. In the name of Jesus. Barriers terminated. Obstacles terminated. Obstacles terminated. Excuses terminated. Aga, maga, shoka, bara, kata, again, masa, kola. Inabilities terminated. In the name of Jesus. Jakota, makila, manoka, hegela, nakoka. Every voice of the enemy silenced. In the name of Jesus. Whatever stood as a barrier, the barriers are brought down. In the name of Jesus. And I declare that men of God across the board, all over the nations of the earth, we will preach this gospel like never before. And build an army for the kingdom of God that the devil cannot withstand. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Sick bodies be healed. And thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer sees a powerful amen. amen. Glory to God. Oh, I tell you, it's exciting. This week is our week of training, evangelism, and discipleship. And we are dealing with the foundation and culture of discipleship. It continues tomorrow all through till Saturday, every day. Now, this is for training and for equipping. So, if you don't want to be trained, you can stay away from my teachings for the, for the next one week. If all you want to hear is the revelation of Jesus, what Christ has done, come back next week. <laughs> but this week is what Christ has done and what Christ now wants to do through you to others. That's what we're dealing with this week. And we love you guys. Praise God. Now grab your offerings wherever you are. We want to give in faith. We give in honor of Christ. We give in honor of his finished work. We give in honor of what he has done. And every time we hear the word, we are trained in this ministry as disciples to always honor the word of God with our givings. And every time you give to this ministry, you enable us to get this word to the ends of the earth. And I want to thank all of you. Remember coming Sunday is our partnership Sunday. And I want to thank all of you partners and friends. And I want, to, I want you to know that there's nothing you do for the kingdom through this ministry that will go unrewarded. So thank you again for responding. Now, those of you watching on television, the banking details are scrolling. On, on social media, the banking details are also scrolling. And on radio, Mr. Michael Bush will read the banking details for you in another two minutes as I join him in the other studio to answer your questions, respond to your phone calls, and bring clarity to you from the word of God. But we love you and thank you for honoring the word of God. Tell more people about what's going on here and encourage them to be part of it again tomorrow at 6 p.m. GMT plus one. Lift up your offerings, Father. We give in faith. We give with joy. And we thank you for the privilege of giving. And we ask that tonight as we give and honor Christ, that our offerings are a sweet smell. And I pray that every need is met supernaturally. Thank you for the blessing upon your people in Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Well, guys, you know, we love you. I look forward to seeing you in the other studio. And don't forget, tomorrow we are live again at 6 p.m. GMT plus 1. Until I connect with you in the other studio, we love you. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service tonight. Glory! Amen! Whoa! Glory! You have been blessed by this message. For these, all the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damina, please call plus 234 806 800 9939 
or email powercityoffice at gmail.com Gaya Damosha Canada Mambro Godobo Zekele Dodolodo Bobo Bobo Bobos Bebere Gediba Lagadaga Badaha Negorodo Sokele de Bobo Rakata Nekelina Mama Henge Bojaka Henge Bojaka Henge Bojaka Henge Bojaka Praise you Father Instructions Instruction Instruction is your life Saith God Instruction Instruction will preserve you Instruction will keep you Instruction will give you life Life that becomes envious Instruction You take hold of instruction Do not let her go Do not let her go Instruction will help you to take steps Steps that will culminate in celebration and joy instruction will deliver your soul from death and deliver you from unnecessary pain and deliver you from battles that are not designed to be yours and deliver you from struggles that are not yours instruction will make life easy for you and instruction will give you the life that i designed for you to have do not play with instruction do not let her go i've given you my word and i've given you the understanding of my word so that my word will instruct you it will instruct you when you walk in the light it will instruct you when you walk in darkness it will instruct you my word is designed to lead and direct you and order your steps all your lifetime and give you the kind of life that I designed for you to have. So take hold of instructions. And don't let her go. Give premium and place premium on instructions. Instructions from my word guarantee my quality of life. Instructions from my word guarantee my quality of life. Therefore, take heed. Yield yourself. To obey and walk within the confines of my word and the instructions that come along with it and then you will find pleasantness you will find joy you will find fulfillment and you will find true satisfaction in life saith God thank you father hallelujah thank you Jesus praise you father glory to God just wave those hands to him and just worship him and just give him thanks
Many thanks for staying with us. It's still Riot Life, and now get to ask the counselor. Just bank details next for especially the radio audience. Account name is Power City International. There are three banks, as usual. There is FCMB, there is Zenith, and there is UBA on this edition. I start with Zenith. 10, 12, 36, 59, 12, 10, 12, 36, 59, 12. Power City International remains the account name. So too, for UBA, 139, 26, 465. 139, 26, 465. Power City International. Detail. FCMB 298268 275-6104, you email Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Doctor, there, of course, is DR. My name is Michael Bush. Every day, I look forward to coming here to meet minds with you, to, to put across your question to the man who sure has all the answers. Now, the best. And um, the last and the best, everything for him. He's here now. He's a teacher. He's a father. He's a prolific author. He's written 32 books and counting, and also an international radio and television evangelist. Help me welcome Global Baba, Dr. Abel Damina. In the continental, Mr. Bush, so good to see you this So evening. nice to see you. How have you been today? I'm fantastic. Praise God. And um, I'm even more so anytime I, I, I come. Yeah, I'm excited And I'm privileged too. to sit by your side. I'm excited. I I'm look just, forward to uh, it. But, you know, I just hope and believe. I pray every day. I hope God answers that very fast. That, uh, you know, the way you teach, I can do. I don't want to do all, all 10%. 10% okay. of what you do. I'll just be comfortable. People will not drink water. I'll just, uh, I'll torment people like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, so good people are so nice to see you. I is mama. Very very daughters, everyone. They're all great. They're yeah, all absolutely. great. They're all excited. Yeah. So nice to see you. Praise okay, God. so we, we spent last night in South Africa, but before we start off, let's just do what we always do. Yes. That routine prayer that we do. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice that your word is growing mightily and prevailing in the nations, growing mightily and prevailing in Aquaibon State. Growing mightily and prevailing all over Nigeria, men yes, and women are coming to the knowledge of the truth. I will also pray for our governor, his cabinet, and all civil and public servants in Akwaibom State, that grace abound towards them. Amen. We pray that the eyes of each one's understanding will be flooded, that the reality of Christ will be so evident in Amen. our state, Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray for Nigeria and the rest of the world, Amen. that as the word of God keeps going forth, as soldiers... An army of people are rising to preach this gospel. Amen. And we decree that in every nation, the light of Christ shines and the darkness has no hiding place. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for massive salvation of souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Global Baba to South Africa where we spent the night just so we can kick off. This one begins with Amen. We're just, um, I'm, I'm sure, reacting to the prayers. Just thank you so much for the prayers. And I thank God so much for getting in contact with you. 
I receive the blessings upon your ministry and you, Global Baba. It is my prayer that God continues to bless the world with your powerful revelations from the word of God, which is able to save our souls and make us know who we are in Christ. Global Baba, since I saw you on Facebook and heard your message about God not being in heaven, and that wherever he was when he created the world is where he is, I have been like, wow. I found it very powerful, very true. Since then, Global Baba, I've been following you everywhere because of your messages. If all pastors begin to preach like you, Global Baba, I trust greatly that in no time, everyone will be saved. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Global Baba, I have a question, though, regarding Matthew 6.33. Please, what exactly does Jesus mean in that scripture? Thank you. John Digbe doesn't say where it's right from, but we'll just think that it's from South Africa. 6.33. Let's start from 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Next verse. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So again remember Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. All Jesus communicated was in parable. So this is another parable. And what Jesus was establishing there is the superiority of the kingdom over natural needs. Meaning that whatever the natural needs you have, they are not as important as your need for seeking first the kingdom of God. Again, he was pointing to himself. That he was more important to them than the physical things they were looking for. Because having him will give them access and give them everything. That they will ever need that matters to them. That's what he was talking about. Seeking first the kingdom. That word first is not like first, second, third, fourth. It's actually seek ye only the kingdom of God. That word first there is only in the Greek translation. Bless you. Amen. So Global Baba, we still around Nigeria. We have just one to before we dash out again to other continents of the world accept my greetings sir please help to clarify the following bible passages within the context that god does not kill second kings 1 10 to 11 and joshua 10 2 2 26 divine mercy and blessings jonathan Bade. second kings 1 11 1 10 and elijah answered and said to the captain of 50 if i be a man of god now it wasn't god that killed now it's elijah now it wasn't god and this same scripture, if you see the way the disciples of Jesus quoted that same scripture for Jesus, look at Jesus' answer to them in Luke chapter 9 verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Next verse. And sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Next verse. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Next verse. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? It wasn't God that killed them. It was Elijah who killed them. And these disciples wanted to copy Elijah. Look at what Jesus said to them. But he turned and rebuked them. And said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. Next verse. For the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. If Jesus rebuked them here in Luke chapter 9, Jesus the same yesterday, 
today and forever. He wouldn't have been the one walking with Elijah to kill people in the Old Testament. And that's why Jesus revealed to us in John 10, 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life. Jesus is God who became a man. He never killed before. He doesn't kill now. He will never kill at all. Death is a function of man's sin. So death is part of the self-destruct system that man has set in motion. The only part God plays is to bring salvation. Okay, Global Baba, so we move to Abuja, Nigeria. We will have two anonymous entries. From there, we'll fly out of the country and indeed the continent. Hello, dear Dr. Abel Damina, sir. You are blessed already, and may God continue to bless you throughout your lifetime for the good work you do in the vineyard of Christ Jesus. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bless you. Another anonymous entry, quickly, quickly. Dear counselor, thank you for the wonderful work you do. God bless you richly. Please kindly advise me on this matter. My wife and I got separated some time ago. It was a rather bitter separation. She made so many negative pronouncements upon my present and future well-being, most probably out of anger. I'm a firm believer, Global Baba, and I know my identity in Christ. However, from your point of view and experience, what's the implication, if any, of such pronouncements vis-a-vis -vis God's grace upon my life? Thank you. Regards. All those pronouncements have no effect. You are in Christ. They don't work. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So what do you do? Acknowledge what you have in Christ. Acknowledge who you are in Christ. And by that acknowledgement, you neutralize everything that is contrary to what Christ has done in you. Another caller now. Hello. Hello. Many yes, thanks. So you. Your name and where you're calling from. You're calling from where? Okay, go ahead. Urak, go ahead. I want to ask um Hebrews chapter what? I didn't oh. hear that. Is that 12? Is that Hebrews what? 4 verse 12. Okay. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, the word of God. The effect and the impact that the word of God, the person of Jesus has in a man's life when he is exposed by the teaching and preaching of the word. Global from Abuja, Nigeria, will fly straight into the United States of America. Josephine says, my friend recently lost her son in a terrible car accident. How can I help her to cope using the word of God? I have prayed with her continuously that I believe the word heals a sorrowful heart. And she also wants to know if her son is safe. Um, Josiane from USA. Wow. Our condolences. Wow. Our condolences. And uh, you know, the truth of the matter is sometimes when people come through that situation, there's not even enough you can say to comfort mm. them. Absolutely. The best thing is just, you know, to mm. leave them in the hand of the Lord, trust the Holy Spirit to bring comfort to that family. And of course, get the word of God close to them. If you get my series on the love that God has for you, you know, uh, the, love, the love of the Father, the love of God is a whole teaching series. Knowing and believing the love that God has for you. If you get that teaching series for your friend, it will help her a great deal. And my series too on the misunderstood God. The misunderstood God, finding God in the midst of evil. The misunderstood God, finding God in the midst of evil. 
those two messages knowing and believing the love that god has for you the misunderstood god knowing god in the midst finding god in the midst of evil if you get that two series for her it will be the best gift you have given to her in the midst of her situation right now bless you from the united states Lord, i was supposed to pray for her for them yeah father we ask for the comfort of the holy spirit for that family in the name of jesus we rebuke every hopelessness we rebuke every hold of the enemy every spirit of sorrow we rebuke you amen. we command comfort and the peace of god amen. in jesus name amen amen just in time global baba the first of our last two three callers hello hello many thanks for joining us anywhere you're calling from Good evening, Mr. welcome to the program Emma. i want to thank Amen. All those days don't have any meaning they don't have any significance there's no meaning it's just when there and he was fasting and enjoying his stay and kept doing it until it was 40 days he was satisfied he left jesus the same thing actually jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights according as it is written of him you know jesus everything jesus did was by prophecy so he just fulfilled prophecy otherwise nothing and then also theologians believe you know that those 40 days of fasting and prayer if you observe very well even the temptation all of that was a summary of all that jesus did where fasting prayer and temptation was concerned it was summarized in that verse of scripture you know theologically that's the explanation for it there's no significance to numbers don't be carried away by numbers nine the number of birth september to remember all that bible says if you're born of god days don't mean anything anymore to you so don't allow anybody manipulate you by giving you days and calendar and all of that. The second of our last three callers. Hello. Hello, good evening. Many thanks for joining us, ma'am. Your name, where you calling from? Yes, my name is Pastor And I'm calling from London. Uh, okay. Yes, um, uh, thank you very much, Dr. Idris Dalina. Um, for feeding us with healthy meals. Thank you. And thank you too to our incontinental Mr. Bush. Thank you. Yes. Actually, my question borders around Acts chapter 19, verse 12. Okay. Where it was recorded that handkerchief and apron from one of the disciples came to speak. Yes. In that regard, how would you analyze or emphasize um, the doctrine of handkerchiefs and other objects used by some of the Pentecostal pastors, especially here in London, in very long time? I just need clarification on that thing. Thank you very much. Thank you. London needs a lot of help. So much help is needed in London. People just go to London and just work things and just 
collect all their monies and just play them. And the reason is because many of you in London don't have time to study the Bible. So anybody can just take advantage of you. And that's why you guys must pay attention to the teaching of God's word. First of all, there's no doctrine of handkerchief anywhere in the Bible. There's no such doctrine. Now, an event happened once, and it was not the disciples that gave them the handkerchief. The people brought their handkerchiefs and robbed the bodies of the men of God. If it's today, somebody brings handkerchief and robbed my body, I won't drive him away. But I will teach him what is more important than him putting a handkerchief on me. And the book of Acts is eyewitness account. So when the writer saw what people did, he just recorded it. Not as a doctrine, but as a journalistic reportage. That is why after Acts, the doctrine of scripture begins from Romans. From Romans to Jude, you won't see any application of handkerchiefs anywhere. And the reason is because God's power, the totality of God's power, is contained in God's word. And the mission is to save. So my advice, don't let anybody carry away by those, those um, so-called doctrine of, of elements. They are just, they are just uh, weapons so-called men of God use to take advantage of people that don't study, people that don't have time to read their Bibles, they use it and just, it's like going to a native doctor, you know. It's, it's, it's like going to a native doctor. You go to a native doctor, they give you something. So now, since people don't want to go to native doctors, they go to pastors, they give them something. I mean, one time a pastor went to London with a perfume and told London, London people to come and line up. That he was going to spray perfume on them and it will bring favor to their lives. But they have to pay 700 pounds. And they were paying 700 pounds for perfume. To be sprayed on them. I mean, what kind of... How do, you, how do people read their Bibles? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if the Christ in you cannot give you favor, is there a bottle of perfume? Comparing spirituals with spiritual. Natural with natural. This natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit. The only thing that will make sense to a natural man is perfume, handkerchief, broom, koboko. But people that are born of the Spirit don't have respect for any of those elements. Because... They have respect for the word of God. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So that's the position of scripture on articles and elements. From the Americas, we dash to Europe, Italy. Hello, Global Baba and Mr. Bush. I'm from Italy. Thank you, Global Baba, for the word of God. You're feeding us with more grace, sir. Please, Global Baba, pray for my little daughter. She's always crying. And anytime she does that, she uses her fingers to injure her face. In the night, she will find it difficult to sleep. Also, also pray for my husband and me to find a favorable job. Thank you, Global Baba. I think we just use that as a point of contact. To pray, pray for, for other all people. others. Yes. Father, we want to pray for everybody today who needs a miracle. Those that are sick, we declare their bodies healed. Those that are expecting a miracle financially, we ask for favor and we ask for direction. We decree that those believing for the fruit of the womb receive a miracle in the name of Jesus. Amen. And those trusting you for papers to be signed, papers to be approved, in the name of Jesus, God's favor is at work on your behalf. And we declare every need met supernaturally in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, producer, we need to go. The production team, on your behalf, this is Michael Bush, your anchor, inviting Global Baba to take us home. The Intercontinental, Mr. Bush. Now, listen to me. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you the grace of God. Don't forget to follow all our teachings on radio tonight. We're on radio at, at 9 to 10. Um, that's that's inspiration. inspiration. 10 to 12. Heritage, Heritage tomorrow morning. 
5.45 a.m. XL. And then tomorrow morning, 11 to 1, Radio Aquibom, 1 to 3, XL, FM, 3 to 5, you know your FM. And in the evening, we're back here at 6 p.m. on Comfort FM. We love all of you for giving us the opportunity to serve you. Looking forward to seeing all of you tomorrow. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ. Goodbye from Uyo, Nigeria. Amen.